Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Nurses, we're visionary scientists solving unseen challenges. In this episode of the Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest, nurse innovator, Joey Ferry. Joey is going to be talking about his product, Safe Seizure, and the Safe Seizure origin story. This is a super fun and interesting episode. You won't want to miss it, especially if you're an entrepreneur or an innovator. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media 501c3 and the well-written nurse, empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Joey Ferry. Hey, thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. Thank you for being on. So tell us, who is Joey Ferry? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, um, we'll just start with the easy answer. Okay, we won't get too deep in the weeds here. Uh, I'm a nurse. I've, uh, I've been a nurse for 15 years. I started my nursing career as a, as a bedside med surge, adult, uh, acute care. I was a float pool nurse. I did float pool for almost all of my career. Uh, I spent about 12 years as a float pool nurse. And then another three, um, I had transitioned into a hospital supervisor role and did that for a few years before ultimately stepping away and uh, pursuing um, a business that myself and another nurse created. Uh, we built a business around a product that this other nurse and I, his name is Tofiki. I'll probably say his name a million times. Um, but him and I, we invented our own product, which um, I'd love to share with you as well and just talk about it because it really is the you know, centerpiece of his and, and my journey in the entrepreneurial space. Um, and so well, I'm sure we'll get into that. But no, but that's me. I, uh, I wasn't the kid or the person who said, I'm going to be a nurse when I grow up. I uh, always thought I would do business, actually, the funny part. <laughs> and here we are. Um, but no, I picked nursing because it was so secure. And um, you knew what you were getting yourself into from a, um, from a financial standpoint, from a job security standpoint. And um, so that's why I chose nursing. But I, I did. I fell in love with it. And thank goodness I did. Uh, and so here we are. Um, yeah, kind of a blended path to you. So, yeah, yeah. And so we're going to be talking about safe seizure. So how did you come up with the idea of safe seizure? I mean, I love, I, I looked at your website and I love how you figured out the cost. I mean, okay. So let, let, I think we should start from here. What happens in a hospital when a person has a seizure? Go ahead. Yep. Uh, that's a good place to start because that answers your first question as to how we even came up with this thing. Um, so for any of our med surge nurses out there, <clears throat> really doesn't matter the level of care, ICU, pediatrics, as long as you're in an acute care setting, when a doctor writes an order 
or seizure precautions, because maybe someone has a history of seizures. Um, maybe there's something going on right now and, and their, um, you know, their electrolytes are off or some, maybe they had head trauma, whatever it is. If they're at risk for seizures, the doctor will write seizure precaution orders. That's an order set that includes uh, nurses to pad the bed rails. Now, pad the bed rails with. <laughs> yeah, here's where here's where there's a problem. So pad the bed rails and that's about where it ends. And even hospital policies across the board don't really specify what you pad the bed rails with. And so there are other products on the market that have been there from, I don't know, the 70s that are these huge, really big, bulky pads. <laughs> well, any nurse can tell you that you either can't find them because they're some missing somewhere on the unit. Um, or they're humongous. So they're like, you only have one set because that's all you can fit in whatever closet you have on the unit. So there's only one set and it's being used in room three or wherever. Um, and, and if you can find them, sometimes you're missing one of the, you're missing the top upper left rail, but not the right. And so, or they're just nasty and gunky, cracked and whatever. Anyways, that's what was available to us prior to me and Tofiki going down our path. So what nurses do is what nurses do with everything else. We figure it out. We figure out a way to do it, right? Um, like we're not going to sit around. Exactly. If we're not going to People remember what MacGyver is. <laughs> uh, we're, get, we're getting to that point where right. the younger generation of nurses are like, what do you mean I'm a MacGyver? It's like, uh, never mind. Um, but, but, we, but we are. Nurses are the best MacGyvers and we come up with the best workarounds for all sorts of things. And one of them for seizure precautions is we would take blankets or pillows of something. We'd strap it to the bed rail with tape or something else. Um, actually, the, the new thing now nurses are doing, and they think it's, it, and not they think, it is really cool because it's how the nurse brain works, but they're taking these one size fits all mesh underwear that we give our patients um, for whatever, maybe they had a surgical procedure and it's, they're these like disposable mesh underwear, but they stretch. I'm telling you, they can stretch like, yeah, it's like, I don't know, fascinating uh, how <laughs> big these things can stretch, but they're taking that underwear and they're using that to stretch over the rail and the blankets to hold it all together. I'm what? not kidding. Yep. Oh my God. That's, it's a thing. Uh, and I promise you people are listening to this right now and they're probably laughing to themselves because they're like, oh yeah, that's what we do. Uh, either blankets oh and tape or blankets and underwear and nurses are doing this everywhere. So yeah. the thing that was the thing I that haven't hit it, seen that yet. I mean, I remember like I have done med surge, adult med surge, and most of my time has been spent in pediatrics. But when I was on the floors, that's how people would pad the bed rails. It was with the, they were called bath blankets, yep, right? Same. So there are these kind of thicker, kind of in between blanket towel thing. It, exactly. That's a perfect, they're like a blanket towel. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and that's what we, we're still using it. And right. what Tofiki and I figured out is that we thought it was just us. We thought it was our hospital, our unit or whatever. And until we started really asking around like, Hey, are you having this problem? Are you having this problem? And what we realized is it doesn't matter if you're, I'm not going to throw any big names out there. Let's just say it doesn't matter if you're the most prestigious hospital in the nation, ranked number one on the list, or you're some rural hospital out in the middle of central California. It we're all doing the same thing. So that's when it clicked to us. Like, 
aha, this isn't a financial thing. This isn't like hospitals can't afford it. It's a workflow issue for nurses. It's a, there's something else here. And so we were like, well, I, I don't think, think it's that nobody ever really thought about it, you know? So yeah. workflow issue, like, can you define that, how that's a problem? Like, and how you, how you gave it that name, like, oh, it's a workflow issue problem. Like, tell us about that. Yeah, no. Yeah. Cause at, at first glance, it just seems like, I don't know, nurses are just doing whatever the quickest thing is. But what we realize right. is if there are existing products on the market, okay, it's like any other thing that we do in the hospital, your facility should, you know, provide those products and they should be available to you. So it's a, the thing that happens is that the other products on, in the industry currently are these really big pads, but they're also super expensive. So now it's yeah. a couple things. They're really expensive. So units and managers don't want that on their budget. They don't want to spend $1,000 per set on a pair of pads that ultimately is going to go missing anyways. So they're really expensive. So units buy less. Okay. And then from there, even if you bought a bunch, let's say you were the richest hospital you know, in the world and you needed to stock your unit of 30 patients and you bought 30 sets because you're like, you know what? We're going to have a set for every room. Where do you store 30 sets of these humongous bulky pads? You can't do it. Right. That's a good point. So, so nurses, because there's that side of it, there's the logistical side of it. It leaves nurses with this huge gap of not having accessibility to something that works. And so that's what I mean, where a workflow, a nurse probably can spend 20 minutes on the phone tracking down a set of seizure pads. They probably could call stores, call up to, you know, to the unit above. Hey, do you have, you know, we could probably right. figure it out. We don't have time. So yeah. it's a workflow issue at that point. We got to get going. I got meds to pass, you know, right. that's my a patients. Good point. So we move on and we just patch it together with blankets and it's super quick. Right. And then we're done and now we can move on. And it's also kind of like everybody just does it. I mean, like, let's say you had a new grad. What are you yep. going to teach them? So people just think that that's what you do when you have a seizure patient. You just get a bunch of bath blankets, you pad the side rails, and you move on. Right? Yeah, it's considered a, a trick of the trade, <laughs> right? It's like one of our little tricks, and and it's but it's it honestly was a problem that just needed to be fixed once and for all. And so, um, so Tofiki and I. Um, you know, to be more accurate, Tofiki actually tried to solve this problem before him and I even met. And when the day we met, he showed me after work, he was like, hey, can I show you something? Like, let's go get coffee. And he showed me what he had been working on. And it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite there. And it wasn't what we have today. But the point that I took home was like, wow, there's a guy trying to solve this problem. And he was, he's been doing it on his own for six months. And he was really trying to like prototype it and and iterating on what he had. And so thankfully he let me come in and give my two cents, which really, you know, from that point it took off because we started, we kind of went back to the drawing board and started from scratch and really looked at what doesn't work, what does work and what features should it have all through the lens of two nurses. And that's how we came up with safe seizure. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you, so did you guys make a prototype? Did you go to the lab, your garage, and <laughs> your office? I mean, what happened oh, next? Yeah, no, you got it. Uh, that's really what it was. So what we did is, 
after we went through that process of identifying what we wanted it to be uh, and what we didn't want it to be, we kind of landed on some materials. Materials were really what kind of rose to the top as far as on the priority list because we knew we wanted it to be cleanable and wipeable. We knew that the big pads, storing them in a closet is really cumbersome and difficult. And we knew that that's a barrier. So we're like, well, wait, how can they be small? We're like, oh, what if they inflated? Yeah. So now, so now if we can make them inflate and be cleanable and wipeable, it kind of led us down this weird path to start looking at materials that did those. <laughs> and oddly enough, camping pads, like the ones people take on hiking trails or overnight camping, they sell like self-inflating camping mats. And oh. every time we pull one of ours out during an in-service, people are like, hey, that's like my camping mat at home. Oh, wow. And that's, yeah. So that's kind of where we got the inspiration. Not kind of, it is. And so our first prototype, we bought a camping mat off of Amazon and took it to a, uh, a seamstress to sew on straps. That was our very first prototype. That's cool. And, and then once we strapped it on, a, a, we were strapping on chairs and everything else in our houses. Like, oh man, this might work. Uh, it was a cool moment. And then showed it to a couple of people. Uh, people were excited about it enough to where we felt comfortable finding a manufacturer that was already making camping mats and just said, oh, hey. Wow. Yeah. So we just said, hey, you're already making these. Just make it this dimension and strap you know, sew these straps on it and send us a prototype. And they had no idea what we were doing. Uh, the manufacturer didn't, they, they just thought we were, they were selling us a camping pad. Meanwhile, we took that prototype and uh, we showed everyone we could within our close network. So other nurse friends, family members, um, we were pretty tight lipped on the whole thing, but the feedback we got was like, holy smokes, like that, that might work. Uh, and then, and then we just made a few more iterations and little tinkering and got it really to a production ready prototype before we told anybody about it. So that was kind of our early, early, early days about getting it from really this idea to an actual product that we felt comfortable potentially selling to somebody. Yeah. I love that. Did you guys also patent it too? Yep. Yep. Uh, the patent process was in there somewhere in between there as well as we're developing it. Um, we were very early on reaching out to a patent attorney that I had worked with previously to at least get the ball rolling and, you know, did, did all those filings. And then once we landed on the final, more or less final design, we put it through the actual patent process and uh, thankfully got approved in I think it was just about two years, which is quick when you're yeah. talking about uh, being granted a, a you know, a non-provisional patent. That's awesome. So then the hard part is getting it into hospitals, showing it to your clients. How did that work? Because I used to work for a pharmaceutical company, you know, and I love sales. You know, it's just very natural to me. And I learned so much working for this company, you know, how to just go in there and just, you know, sell basically. Um, but I was in the guise of a, an educator. So how did you guys, how were you able to get into certain hospitals, 
see certain people because that is a tricky thing, you know, and that's what I learned for pharma because certain people will let you in and certain people will not. Super tricky. And it still to this day feels like you're jumping through a million hoops um, at times. We caught a few breaks early on and, um, and with sales in general, whether it's, you know, pharmaceuticals or a product sale, or even in the general consumer world, sometimes if you catch a break and the right person buys it, it can kind of give you some fuel yep. to get the next customer, right? Because then they see, oh, if so-and-so is using it, then oh, it must be okay. So that, so our first lucky break was actually Tofik and I were working for a hospital and we, um, we were working for that hospital. And again, I told you that we were very quiet about this thing that we were doing because, you know, we, we didn't know what the intellectual property issues yeah. would be with us working with the hospital and then coming up with this thing on the side. And so um, we were very quiet about it until one day I happened to be sitting um, on a committee that reviewed new products as well as reviewed existing products. And should we make a change? Well, in that committee, the hospital was looking to do a linen, linen, basically they were going to crack down on linen. They assigned a linen utilization task group to figure out where are we wasting linen? How can we get our linen costs down? Linen, um, you know, people don't realize but linen can be a seven figure line item on a spread on, on a hospital spreadsheet easily. And so our hospital happened to be trying to decrease linen and we knew because of what we talked about earlier, nurses mm -hmm. are using blankets to pad these bed rails. And that was at, at that point, someone brought up, other than not myself, someone else in this meeting said, well, we use seizure pads. I mean, we use blankets for seizure pads. And I was like, ah, here we go. And yeah. so um, so I'm like texting Tofiki in the middle of this meeting. I'm like, hey, we got to say something. We have to. So um, sure enough, we did. We We went through all the right channels took the right steps, but ultimately we presented the products to the hospital that we were working at and just said, Hey, we're doing this whole other thing independent, but we have, I think a solution for your current problem. And so that's kind of how we got there. Uh Oh, no. Yeah. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. It's uh. so, so uh, but yeah, that, that was, that it. is awesome because Yeah, no, it, it it's awesome. It so it it was really cool. We got we got fortunate in that regard. Like we um, were able to catch a break at this facility. One was willing to hear us out, but two, I mean, it was a long process. It took over a year to like get all the right paperwork signed on because we were now dual employer versus employee, or uh, I'm sorry, vendor versus employee. Um, and so we had to sign all this special paperwork and, uh, so, and then so the cost of linen is huge. I love that selling point because I used to work registry. Okay. So I've been to a lot of hospitals, every single hospital I've been to has used the bed bath blanket technique to pad side rails. That's a lot of money. And yeah. I think you 
calculated it on your website, right? Yeah, yeah. So what we did, uh, and again, this is fortunate. Uh, one of those other lucky breaks we got is that this hospital that we worked at, we we first rolled the product out with. But prior to that, we did a trial, and in that trial, during this linen utilization task group, they wanted to see, all right, is this product really going to decrease our linen? Like, let's let's do some let's put some numbers behind that. And so they did. So they did their own independent linen study while our pads were being used. And sure enough, on every unit trialing the product, uh, you saw a pretty significant drop in linen cost. And so in return though- they did the research for you. Look at, you're even getting them to do the research, which you're like, right? thank you very much. Because in Big Pharma, they do their oh. own research, right? And they're like, this yeah. is the research because that was my job. Well, this is the research. 900,000 patients said, and you're like, well, where'd you get that research from? Well, we did it ourselves. But with you, I mean, that is money right there. That is so awesome that you're like, like, well, we'll do our research and we'll get back. You're like, thank you very much. Yep. And well, you know, and in return, we did give them essentially free product uh, for this entire pilot study, which, you know, they took a risk. It's like genius. we, you know, financially took the risk, which at this point, I know that sounds kind of maybe a little lopsided, but for two people with an idea that is, has not been proven yet, me and Tofiki had to ask our wives to, you know, commit a, a fairly good amount of money to this thing to fund it in the beginning, for which, sure. you know, any endeavor or any investment, the risk is all at the beginning and it's the, that's when it's the most terrifying. So but we did it. And what happened was we gave them free product. And in return, all we wanted was the survey results. So what do nurses think about the product as well as this linen data? And they can own it. We just want access to it and be able to share it. Right, right. And that's what we did. And, um, and sure enough, linen dropped on every one of the units. But part of the information that they did provide us is how much it cost them to essentially pad each bed procedure precautions using blankets. And so the way it all worked out, and it's a super long way of doing it, but ultimately what it costs is approximately $150 per patient that requires seizure precautions if you're using blankets and tape because there's the cost of the blankets, the cost of the tape, whatever other material you're using to apply it. And then how often does it get changed? Right. How often does it get changed? Is it being changed once a day, twice a day, three times well, a day. That is a good point. How often is it getting changed? You know, because right. a lot of times it's there. Most of the time it doesn't get changed. Right. Well, you, right. And then like the other side of your nurse brains, like, well, that's disgusting if that didn't get changed. And then you're thinking, well, hopefully it's getting changed, but if it is getting changed, that's expensive. So it really leaves the hospital in this icky place, no matter how you look at it. It's either expensive if you're, actually changing the linen so there's not building up with microbes and any other stuff that's in the bed which we all know or it's the more expensive way and you are changing it but it's costing you three times as much uh to change it say three times a day so we figured um you know the estimate with them was approximately 150 bucks and so we said okay well let's figure out how to get our product price it and that'll be our selling point and um, we're the real competitor here is 
blankets. And so we will, uh, we'll price our product accordingly and we'll make sure we tell hospitals how much they're probably spending on blankets. Obviously we don't know what every facility is doing, but we can provide estimates and typically they're pretty close to what hospitals are spending. And so there actually is a cost savings by going to our product from linen. In addition to just think about linen, you can't, how can someone who's in charge of that budget ever track what linen went to what? You can't, you don't know if it was used for a towel because someone spilled something on the floor. You know, sometimes we just throw a blanket on it and wipe it up. You don't know if it was used as a seizure pad or if it was actually used to keep grandma warm. You don't know. It's true. And so the inability to track that is really frustrating for people that who's where the budget is their job. And so for us, you know exactly how much you spent on safe seizure every year. You can see it. It's a straight across line item. You don't have to guess about it. So uh, in, in certain folks, the purchasing department, you know, materials management, they genuinely appreciate even just that side of it, not even the clinical side, but just the fact that Finally, now we can track this. Yeah. And then it, and then they could probably do another study on the whole nosocomial thing. I mean, has it decreased the spread of nosocomial infections because they're not constantly using the same, I mean, nurses are not thinking about changing these pads on the bed, you know, because they're on the side and they're not, they're not actually on the bed. Right. Anyway. That's the next study. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And and uh, Tofik and I are the first to say, you know, we're not nurse scientists. Uh, we're not nurse researchers. We just know that this is a problem. And we've been fortunate up to this point to get to this level. Um, really just expressing yeah, I the, the practical I side of I think you are a nurse scientist and a nurse researcher. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know why you're not, you're, you're saying that you're not, I mean, what is a scientist? You're- a scientist is an inventor, someone who thinks, I mean, I've always uh, considered myself a scientist, you know, since the third grade, when I used to do all these experiments and stuff uh, for science fairs, you know, I've always loved science. I've always loved to figure out stuff. And I think almost every nurse out there is a scientist, you know, because you're, you're taught to look at the patient as a whole and then you're taught to also figure out stuff. You're taught to critically think, right? So you're a scientist. That's what scientists do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, look at Tesla, um, you know, look at uh, Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're actually, you're I mean, is that what you did? Right. I mean, you guys were seeing sure. the problem in your head. I mean, I, I, it would be interesting to hear Tofiki. It's like, did he actually see the product in his head first? Like, did you actually see the product in your head first? Like um, I had um, my previous guest, uh, Wally, who left medical school to uh, make planners from a, a 3D printer, right? He actually saw this happening in his head before it happened. You know, it's almost like you're a time yeah. traveler and you're in the future and stuff. Did that happen to you? Yeah, I would say there was some of that for sure. Um, because it was once we started formulating the actual idea, like I said, we went back to the drawing board and really started putting these materials together and seeing like how this actually will work in every stage. So because when you make a product, 
it's not just nurse. It's not just nurses using the product. Sure, they're the end user, but it's who's going to touch the product all the way leading up to that, and who touches it afterwards. And visualizing all of that certainly was a part of this equation. Um, and figuring that's how we got to our small packaging because even before the nurse gets it, how are we shipping it? How is it being stored in the storeroom? Um, can it be put up on a unit so that nurses can get it easily. Now the nurse steps in and does what they do. And then afterwards, what happens to it? So we built it to go with the patient. We put them in a travel bag. So uh, it can be rolled back up, can go with the patient on discharge or to a skilled nursing facility or a long-term rehab facility. But thinking through all that absolutely was part of that. Yeah, those early days. So you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I am a sci I am a scientist. I am a researcher. You're you know, doing right. Like Tesla. Right. I am a not scientist. like Oppenheimer because I am saving lives instead of destroying them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but definitely it does make sense when you think when you word it like that. Yeah, we are scientists. All of us are. Yeah. Super cool. So what's next for safe seizure? Like how many hospitals are you guys in right now? Yeah, we're about in 90 hospitals currently. That's a, awesome. uh, yeah, that's across the U.S. And again, that's, it's, some might say, it depends on where you're at, right? And how you're looking at us as a small company. But some would say, you know, that's, there's 6,000 hospitals in the U.S. So there's a lot of room to grow. But Topeka and I literally, we literally started with one and in our garages. And it got to a point where we were, delivering ourselves. Our garages were distribution centers and we were hand delivering out of the trunks of our cars, not as, not figuratively, but literally we were the delivery guys and like, Hey, can you sign this? And so it's really cool to see us grow to, to where we are now. Um, our biggest wins to date are we, we landed Cleveland clinic, which oh. um, yeah, Cleveland clinic, they wanted to standardize this process uh, enterprise-wide. And so we are now Cleveland Clinic solution to seizure precautions in the United States because uh, they have like facilities outside of the U.S. But in the U.S., we are the standardization at Cleveland Clinic, which says a lot to us about, you know, talk about validation. <laughs> so Yeah, that's pretty amazing. We, we've got a couple other really big systems like Kaiser Permanente. Uh, Metro Health is another system in Ohio and Advent out in Florida. We've got some big systems that we're excited about and, and proud of. But the next step is really to just try not to get distracted. It's so easy as an entrepreneur to get distracted. Um, we are just trying to stay focused on growing this thing as um, responsibly and as we wanna make our company as healthy as possible so that down the road, we will have options if we want them. And um, it's sometimes if you get distracted, you're like, oh, let's make a, a version that has Bluetooth or, you know. Yeah, oh, I totally know that. I am like, you know, both of my parents were entrepreneurs and I, I started working for them when I was four, delivering like business cards and, and taking business cards to school and stuff. I love so it. Now I, I have like 50 million projects, 50 million ideas. It's like, I like consult, like my other, fr my friend who was also a nurse practitioner and she's also an independent entrepreneur. Um, you know, I would, 
now she's like totally on her own. And she was like, oh, give me some locums assignments. Give me some. And I go, just go out there on your own and find it. So she was, and she was negotiating and she was like, I don't know if I want to do it. And she goes, you know, and I was telling her about my friend who started a cake business, who last year we were in his kitchen and he makes these amazing bunk cakes. And he goes, nobody would buy this. They're out of a box. And I go, oh, contraire, mon frere, try it, try it. So we pushed him and we pushed him and we played with the branding and we did it. He sold only on next door, 40 cakes during Thanksgiving. Good and for then, him and, and good in, for you and guys. And in a matter of two or three months, he got a caterer and now he has another caterer with a, a very high end restaurant in town. Like within an, you know, and that was just playing with a crazy idea of making bug cakes. And he was just doing it because it was fun. I mean, he's a creative, you know, and did it and just built a business only by using Nextdoor. No website, no Instagram. He was using the neighbors as influencers. Like they're it's, like, oh, look what I bought from Gary. Yeah, and this right. So great. So I was telling my friend, I was sitting having lunch in Joshua Tree, and she was like, nobody will buy my rocks. That's all she said, because I was giving her ideas, you know, on how to be an independent contractor as a nurse practitioner. And I was like, your rocks, what are you talking about? She sends me a picture. She sends me her Instagram. Amazing. She paints these rocks. They're awesome. You know, and there she was doing a lot of college teams. And I was like, you need to start selling them you know, put a link on there. She's like, nobody will, I go, keep saying nobody will buy them and say, everybody's going to buy them. I go, I think these are amazing. So I sent her some samples of people in Palm Springs that do like coasters with sayings on them. Mm -hmm. I was like, look at this guy. He started, he's like famous. Everybody knows him for his coasters of Betty Ford was here. Yeah. You know, yeah. Wacky stuff. And, and and then all of a sudden I saw her this morning on her Facebook and she was, you know, putting her rocks and she's like, oh, I gave these away to my sister because of blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden someone was like, can I order four? Can I uh, order four? There she right. was. She just sold four of her painted rocks. Yep. Isn't that amazing? It, it is. No, it's and good for you guys for pushing these people and good for, yeah, for you uh, for pushing these folks and. You know, not everyone has that. I feel like we're all different, right? And some people, the thought of selling something or the fear of them saying no is, for some people, that's really uncomfortable. And I get it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think as I'm similar to you, where as long as I can remember, I was selling something. And so maybe just early on in, like what, in those early days. What did you sell early on? Oh, my gosh. I sold every, I sold candy. That was one. Uh -huh. um, I I made my own lottery in high school and got suspended made for it. Made your own lottery? Yeah, oh to me God. it was like yeah, well, to me like you know like those 50-50 lotteries. To me it was really simple. I just thought, all right, I saw these lottery. We were at a Long's Drug Store or something somewhere, and I remember seeing these you know the rolls of the of the tickets that you if you yeah. go to like a, a basketball game or something, and I was like, huh. If I sell a bunch of these, I'll give half of the winnings to the winner and I'll just keep the other half. And it, it was perfect logic in my mind, other than my school didn't care for it too much and considered it gambling. And I had to give everyone back their money. 
and get suspended. But oh that God, was I love that story. How old were you? That I was in high school in. And so yeah, I was in high school there, but all through elementary school, all through middle school, it was candy. I had a neighbor who worked at this, I don't even remember, it must have been, had to have been local, but he worked at a factory somewhere here in the Bay Area that was, that would package candy. And so he would bring home just enormous boxes full of different varieties of candy. Mm-hmm. And he would say, give me a quarter, like a quarter for like a full size thing. I was like, huh. So I would go into my mom's on her dresser. She had a little glass bowl full of change where she would come home and drop all her change. And that's how I I just took a few quarters out of there um, without telling her. And then kind of stocked up, went to school. After my first day, I was cash flow positive. Never had to go back to the coin. That's awesome. Yeah, because I would just go back and, you know, I would just buy, I would take half of my earnings and I'd restock. And then I'd keep the other half and I would just keep doing it and just till I sold out. And then holidays, Christmas, I would always buy candy canes. I'd be very seasonal with my, with my products. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. What you got now? Right, exactly. Uh, No, and it was, it continued. I mean, like I said, I, the whole time, even in college, in nursing school, I was trying to start, um, trying to start my own sports drink while in nursing school. Uh, yeah, but that's Even a when good, I, that's a good idea because I always thought like tea for nurses, sports drinks. Um, you know, I mean the the IV people came out with it. Yeah, right? so yeah, it's kind yep. of like the same. Um, the other one, I like skincare for mm-hmm. healthcare professionals. You know, yeah, but the funny thing for me is that nothing ever crossed into healthcare. I don't know why. I was a nurse for, like I said, I was a nurse for. I don't know, 10 years before I met Tofiki. And I was trying to start all of these businesses outside of healthcare. I would just go to work and do my shift and then come home and like, all right, what can I think of now? Nothing related to healthcare. Um, I created an app for uh, out here in the Bay Area for the Port of Oakland that, you know, helped decrease congestion and all this other cool stuff. Uh, it was kind of like next door, but for the Port of Oakland. So uh, oh, gosh, keeping yeah. people up to date and everything else. But again, not related to healthcare. And it wasn't until I met Tofiki and I was like, huh, why have I been keeping this separate the whole time in my mind for whatever reason? Yeah. It's because people identify as I'm just a nurse and this is all I do. They don't identify as I'm a nurse. I'm a scientist. I'm a researcher. I'm all these things to get creative. One of my medical assistants yesterday is, is going to nursing school and she's a photographer and she's all like, yeah, it's just a hobby, but she does do it for pay. You know, she does photograph people. And I was like, well, you can mesh it with the nursing. She goes, you think so? Cause she's all like, okay, I'm going to pursue it more after nursing school. I go, no, you can mesh it now. And I totally have an idea with her. I'm like, start like a school paper. Nobody has school nursing school papers. Right. 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 Yeah, you're right. Like nursing media, non-existent in schools. Yep, yep. Because everyone's like so hyper-focused on like, I got to study for this exam and, um, you know, and that's a whole nother topic for discussion is how nursing schools, uh, how they kind of force us into this tunnel vision. Oh, yeah. We we don't want to think about. Yeah, yeah. I too used to to teach as as well locally here at a nursing school and the students are so stressed out. They're just, they're only studying to the test. 
yeah. we we talk about all this critical thinking. Yes, within the four walls of the, the room that you're in with your patient, but what about healthcare in general? What about nursing in general? And we have to be able to think critically about those. And if we're going to really change it, I think we got to start figuring out how to embed in the curriculum um, nurse entrepreneurship, creative right, thinking, yeah. design thinking, these things that give these nurses the tools, especially when they're young and they hit the hospitals with fresh eyes. Yeah. You, that's when you want them to be like, hey, that doesn't seem right. Not, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm like, that's just how it is. No, right. you need people fresh out that are willing to say like, no, that doesn't make sense. Um, we should do it a different way. But, you know, it's, hopefully nursing schools will start. Nurse innovation and nurse entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, look at you, what you're doing. Like, it's nursing is evolving right in front of our eyes. And uh, we just need nursing schools as well as systems, healthcare systems and overall to catch on so that we can start leveraging this creativeness that, yeah, because then other people take it. I mean, the articles that I've written, I wrote an article on nursing shoes last year and uh, basically how um, the patent came in at the turn of the century, like at the end of the 1800s, 1900s, you know. Uh, and so that is when these companies used to use, started using nurses to sell their products, you know, like mm. foot powder and and nursing shoes. And these companies were not owned by nurses. You know, I think there is one company that was owned by a nurse uh, that did make a nursing shoe um, and that's it. But majority of them, no. Same thing with nursing scrubs, same thing with like yep. all these products that nurses use are not done by nurses. The magazine I started writing for, uh, not run by a nurse, what what the I just was baffled when I found that out. You know, I just pitched to this woman one day because I was wanting pro, uh, to promote my show in 2015, my storytelling show. And then she's like, "Hey, write me an article." And I was like, "Okay, you know." And I, I started getting paid for my articles, but then I found out she wasn't a nurse, and I just thought that was the weirdest thing. That here is a product for nurses not being run by a nurse. You know, and yep. I was just like, well, okay. And so I started to get the idea of teaching nurses how to write, you know. Um, I mean, there was a book that came out by a journalist who's not a nurse. I mean, she picked up the nursing profession, made it her subject matter, got paid, you know, yep. she already worked in, in the media. So she was able to get it picked up by a book company who, um, doesn't accept outside uh, proposals. So you have to work within the media somehow, you know, so her mm -hmm. agent had to go pitch it. So she got accepted. So she, now she's at home sitting pretty, researching, getting paid for to write a book, you know, and, and then not only that, she's on book tour. She's getting paid and she's in the front of the media. Um, now nursing uh, associations are hiring her. And what is she talking about nurses? And I was like, this is blasphemous. I'm sorry. Yeah. Why are we teaching nurses to tell their own stories, to write them and get getting paid for it? So she's getting paid to promote our profession. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is, it's interesting. And it's, uh, you know, you're right. We just need to get nurses to not, be so hesitant to do these things on their own because we need real representation of like, okay, don't get me wrong. Like you want to start a shoe company 
and market it entirely towards nurses. I understand that from a business standpoint. I, I get it because nurses are a great market. It's a noble market. And it's a space that for the most part is kind of untapped. Like right. if you wanted to create a basketball shoe, okay, you're competing with Nike, Under Armour, and so on, right? You want to create a, uh, a nursing shoe, who are you competing with? So I understand it from a business standpoint, but to your point, it's like, but if it really truly is something for nurses, then the nurses need to be involved. So either those companies, in my opinion, should be seeking out nurses in the early stages and help build whatever they're trying to do. So it does the things that you say it does, as well as being, you know, co-invented or co-designed by, by nurses um, or, you know, or nurses got to, we just got to help our nurses figure out how to take that next step. Like what you're doing, you're doing, you know, writing classes, teaching nurses, you're giving them the tools to do it. Right. And then that's really what we can do. And then from that point, go and do it. Um, but like so says, just do it. <laughs> Right, Everybody right on, needs. right on, right on cue, right? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So, so tell people where we can find you and what your next steps is, are uh, with Safe Seizure. Yeah. So it's easy. Just, I'm really only on LinkedIn. I don't do much other social media. So f connect with me on there. Send me a message. Let me just in the message say, Hey, I listened to you on that podcast. Like, uh, let's connect. Cool. Uh, and that's really going to be the easiest way. As far as the product goes, just go to safeseizure.com. If you're someone listening, you're a manager of a unit and this is a problem, or you're even a floor nurse and you want to bring this to your manager, go to safeseizure.com. You can even request a sample there if you want. A free sample, we'll send it to you. Just tell cool. us where to ship it. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, you know, the next things for safe seizures, we're really trying to be the standardization uh, across the board. We're trying to get rid of blankets and tape for good. Uh, we'd love to, uh, we're, we're strategizing and figuring out ways to get, you know, some sort of standardization and, and expectation um, from, you know, we know Jayco doesn't like tape. We know Jayco doesn't like blankets. And so, but no one's really coming out saying anything other than you have to pad the rails, but no right. one specifies with what, or what does that pad need to consist of? And so ideally going down that road, Honestly, we just want a solution to solve that problem. And then Topeka and I, we have a lot of other ideas um, up our sleeve uh, that, again, we're trying not to get distracted. Yeah. One thing I, one thing I will say, though, um, is that if you're someone with uh, an idea or you just want to bounce, you know, things off of me and Topeka, like we're, we're always open to talk. We really genuinely want to support our nurse entrepreneur and nurse innovator community. We do this already through the ANA. We're constantly doing different events with the ANA. Um, we, we go to nursing schools. We go to, we even went to a high schools to talk about, you know, just kind of how to think outside the box a little bit. So if any of that sounds interesting, you know, reach out. Um, but that's our other goal is to just continue to bring up the community of nurse innovators and entrepreneurs and let others know that your idea that you have, just like you said with those rocks. Rocks. Yeah, like someone will buy them. Let's just figure out how to get all the packaging straight and get the systems in place to be able to do that. And then you could solve that next workaround once and for all. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much, Joey, for being on. 
And thank you to Safe Seizure. Uh, yeah, and, thank you. And thanks for having us. And, and it was really fun talking. Well, yeah, super fun. Till next time. Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses and Hypocon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest, go ahead and send us an email at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com.